0: Hello and welcome back to the Psalm Song Podcast. I'm Drew Wesselhoff, your host, and I'm here with my buddy. You want to introduce yourself?
1: Hey everyone, my name is Nate Lake, and Drew has me on to talk about Kendrick Lamar.
0: Before we get into Kendrick Lamar, I have a question, and you know it's coming, so I hope you're prepared. you ready for it? I've been
1: thinking it. long and hard about this, so mm-hmm. uh, here we go. What's your favorite song? So, I had to do a little debate in my mind, and I think I'm going to cop out and choose two and call it a tie. Fair enough. Okay. And they're kind of in different categories, so I would say that the first one, kind of the most sentimental song for mm-hmm. me, I would say, I knew it had to be a Coldplay song because mm. i was raised on like old good coldplay non sold out coldplay and i came to yellow as mm. what i would say would be my favorite from them just because i have a lot of memories and kind of emotions tied up in that song i feel like every time i listen to it it brings some type of you know vivid emotion to me their music is just so deep but at the same time just so musically intriguing, especially their sure, old stuff yeah. and and I just had a lot of their CDs when I was a little kid from my dad mm-hmm. we'd listen to them in the car, I'd listen to them in my room, I'd listen to him pretty much all the time, and so Yellow is just one that there's obviously emotion in it already, just lyrically mm-hmm. and stuff, um, and I gotta say as a kid I never quite understand, understood it, and I don't, still I don't think I understand it now I don't know if I do either, yeah <laughs> it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but huh. I feel like it's that phenomenon where things, like certain emotions and stuff, come back to you when you hear a song. Yeah, totally. And it takes you to a place. I feel like that's what that song does for me. It was called yellow. I would say that the, the second song um, that I'm going to put in a tie with that one would be a song called Memoir by a band called My Epic. Hmm. and not a lot of people have heard of my epic yeah, necessarily I don't know them yeah but I would say that they are pretty close to my favorite band they're in my top three for sure mm-hmm. um they're kind of like an alt rock hard rock band but they really span the spectrum I mean they've got all kinds of different genres um, in their music so um, I would say that that song definitely is up there because of the lyrics um, there's a there's a section at the end that says, just gets me every single time, and it's helped me through a lot of hard times in my mm-hmm. life, which is kind of why I'm ranking it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, hell, go on and rage, uh, whatever you may say, my God, he speaks for me, and I'm, I'll not be ashamed. And then it, it kind of brings it back, and it says, hell, go on and rage, you can't change a thing, my God, you speak for me, and I'll not be ashamed. And it's just kind of an anthem after a whole song of kind of, you can tell, it, you know, it's called Memoir, so um, the lyricist who is talking about just kind of some struggles from, I think, what what is probably his own life, um, and he gets there at the end and just, that's the final word. Like, and even just yesterday I was listening to that song, and it's just really carried me through a lot of tough times. Yeah. There's my very long-winded two-part yeah. cop-out answer to the question.
0: It's not a cop-out <laughs> at all, I mean... It's kind of a cop-out question, too. I mean, your favorite song kind of depends on a lot of different factors. Yeah,
1: that's a pretty brutal one. (laughs) So hopefully they get easier from here on out.
0: I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But why don't we just talk about each one of those songs individually for a little bit? Okay. You know, you're talking about Coldplay and Yellow, and it sounds like there's just like a general nostalgia for your childhood associated with that song, Yellow, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say that. It just kind of takes me back to different, you know, images, um, in my mind of things I was doing as a kid, um, whether that be like, you know, I'm a huge sports fan, so collected baseball cards and sports cards growing up. And I would say that when I was, um, when I listened to Coldplay, I can just picture myself in two different rooms that I had growing up, bedrooms, Mm. um, looking at baseball cards, analyzing stats and just being a nerd. Um, yeah, just a lot of nostalgia for, for that band in general, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if we move on to memoir, what I'm getting there is that it's kind of your moving forward song. It's looking towards the future.
1: Yeah. Wow. You really just made that like, deep with how you analyze them too. Like right away I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that's for sure true. That song only came out probably three years ago, maybe. Yeah. If that. And so I would say that just over times of like transition and stuff, or like times where I'm struggling with my faith or whatever that may be, that song has really helped push me forward and Mm -hmm. just reminded me. I think, you know, as a Christian, one of the key things that just totally determines how you live your life is where you place your identity and that song just every single time reminds me of my identity and reminds me of Mm -hmm. who i am and i think any piece of art that reminds you of who you are is 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 huge and that just speaks to the power of art itself Mm -hmm. you know like um a lot of times that you know art opens our minds up to different things Mm -hmm. and things that we don't already think and things we don't already know but i think that song just solidifies me who i am as a person and every single time, like, yeah, I have a hard time not just belting it out, you know, right. I'm I'm not going to lie. I was mowing the lawn yesterday and, and I had that, you know, lawnmower noise to cover me, but I was definitely belting it out while on the <laughs> lawn. So, so maybe some of my neighbors heard some weird singing, That's um, awesome. probably yeah. not very good singing. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, that one really just gets me every time.
0: Hmm. That's really cool. So you have a, Song about remembering where you've been and the song about reassuring you of who you are and where you are been. For sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was fun to think about. Yeah. And kind of try to decide that, even though I'm sure there's a hundred more options I could have gone with. Definitely, yeah.
2: <laughs> so then I took my turn. Oh, what a things have done.
0: So before we jump into Kendrick Lamar, Mm -hmm. listener, you're probably wondering, why am I talking to Nate about Kendrick Lamar? So, um, Nate, why don't you give your credentials in this uh, area?
1: Well, I don't know if I have many credentials, but, sure. um, <laughs> my best credential is that I decided to write my master's thesis about Kendrick Lamar. I think he just really intrigued me and I, we'll get more into it, but I saw Kendrick Lamar kind of as a good solution or a good case study to an issue or a, a situation that I've been seeing over the last few years, uh, musically. And I took an entire year and studied his music, um, And so I just finished and graduated with my with my master's degree in communication and and focused on Kendrick Lamar. So the title of my thesis was The Gospel According to Kendrick Lamar uh, The Theology of Struggle. I may have not gotten the word for word thesis title exactly right, just because ever since I finished, I haven't thought about it much since Mm. I was going so hard for an entire year. (laughs) So, but that's the gist.
0: So you said it was a response to Mm -hmm. seeing an issue in music. Like what is that issue that um, you were talking about there?
1: Yeah. So I think that that will definitely be a good uh, foundation to build on. So that issue that I've been seeing, or not really an issue, but kind of a a thing I've been seeing over the last few years is something that drew has actually been studying or that you've been studying. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is kind of this connection between what we would term the sacred and secular realms mm-hmm. of art or of music. And so, I'm a big fan of hip hop. Um, and so, for the last few years, I've been just listening to different hip hop artists. And you know, obviously, there's a ton of hype about Kendrick Lamar. Right. Um, and I would put him in a group with Chance the Rapper and other guys. Kanye West kind of teeters on the edge of it sometimes, although does, with his yeah. most recent release with Kid Cudi, I would put him right back in that I'd conversation.
0: love to have a conversation with you about that. Yeah.
1: So you would categorize those guys as quote unquote secular. Right. Most of the time. Right. Um, profanity in their music as Christians, probably not finding a ton of people listening to them, except if it's maybe a, uh, somewhat guilty pleasure or <laughs> not that it should be, but, right. but right. it might be that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, what's happening is you see a lot of those artists incorporating more and more spiritual themes, specifically mm-hmm. Christian themes into their music and those albums and those songs becoming very popular. And so a move of Christianity into the mainstream, as well as on the other side, you see guys like Lecrae and just other really aware Christian artists that are typically branded as Christian. They kind of grew up with their music coming out in the Christian community or to mm-hmm. Christian audiences. And now they're moving towards the middle and towards the mainstream as well, right? Uh, because they're talking about a lot of social issues and things like that. And so overall, what you have is this convergence of the sacred and the secular. So I was really interested, how do, how can we look at this convergence and mm. what is true about it? What is not um and who would be a case study a good case study to study that and i well, pretty easy choice landed on Kendrick Lamar just because of the depth and the lyrical strength of his music mm. uh and how you know much material there is to dig through with him so that's kind of how i arrived there at Kendrick Lamar and that's kind of like the the issue or the situation that sets the stage for what i did my thesis on yeah
3: we all uh one two three go. waking up in a dream sleepwalking on another big stage you never heard peace till you hear people scream Your name and you're naming son I'm so far away from the place I used to be struggling usually look at the new me fate pursuing me I can feel the energy in the air
0: It feel like I'm supposed to be here everywhere
3: I'm getting
0: so much love I really like what you said about convergence mm-hmm. I think that's key yeah. And there is a convergence on both sides and both people are really meeting in the middle and i think it's uh, a lot broader than rap music i mean i spent eight episodes talking about how it's very present in the folk singer-songwriter world mm-hmm. and you see especially in there like there's this embrace of doubts and after that embrace of doubts there's this emergence of a newfound creativity Mm-hmm. And so okay, that's where that's where we land right now in the in the uh, narrative of the podcast. So the whole thing is about rediscovering the agencies that built the structures. Okay. But you kind of go through this path to get there. And then the people who have been in this creative space for long periods of time, they, they experience this freedom. And so that'll be part four after this part. And so the freedom is to see that there, there was an agency that built the structures, even if you're frustrated with the structures, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Kendrick is very much on his way towards that freedom, if not maybe arrived
1: already. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if we ever quite truly arrived Sure, with yeah, anything. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would say definitely still searching. And and something that I would that I wrote in my like future research uh, suggestions in the mm-hmm. end of my paper was like. Okay, check back in on this guy in a few years because once he releases more music, there's going to be a whole, you know, new chapter to this sure, thing yeah. I've written, and it might just completely blow up everything I've said. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I did like what you were saying about how each of his three albums, Good Kid, Mad City, mm-hmm. To Pimp a Butterfly, and Damn, kind of show how his um, theology has changed. Yeah, but also it's like this maturation of it as well.
1: Yeah, it's an adventure. For sure mm-hmm. so it's a like it's a journey that he's been on and i kind of referenced that i think a few times mm-hmm. Uh that he's just going through this journey as we all are
0: in your research is there a song that stood out like as your favorite or that like that you really resonate with
1: yeah absolutely and i think that there's a song that actually inspired me to choose really? Lamar. so wow. i'll i can kind of tell that story yeah uh so I only really got into Kendrick Lamar maybe three, three and a half years ago, around the time of To Pimp a Butterfly. And it was kind of funny, I saw some article that said that President Obama's uh, favorite song of 2015 was... How Much a Dollar cost by Kendrick Lamar. Mm. And I was like, what?
3: How much a dollar really costs? The question is detrimental, paralyzed in my thoughts. Parasites in my stomach, keep me with your gut feeling, y'all. Gotta see how chill it once I park this luxury car. Hopping out
1: feeling biggest... We... So I went and, and listened to it. And... Um, so... I found that... I was just listening to the song, and... this is cool this is cool and then the last verse hit and i was just like wait a second and i like had to go back and you know listen to it many more times and basically what happens in that song is Kendrick Lamar sets this stage for a scenario in which he comes upon a homeless man and it's kind of a typical interaction uh where this guy's begging for money and he's kind of staring at him um like you owe me something you should give me money and Kendrick's like i've earned every dime I've got, you know, and I deserve it. Um, and so he's kind of telling that story of how, and he's starting to feel guilty, and this guy's kind of staring into his soul, and he's mm-hmm. like, why does this feel this way? Um, and finally, at the final verse, he takes the role of the homeless man and starts rapping from his perspective, and you find out that the whole time this homeless man wasn't just any ordinary guy, it was Jesus himself.
3: I'm looking at this guy on the side, you know, we stop, we're we getting gas or whatever, and I'm just ignoring him. Because from where I come from, he's just panhandlers. Yeah, you, know? you don't engage. Yeah, I don't, I don't engage. I know what you're going to do with the money. You're going to smoke it off. You're going to get some crack or whatever. Even if, even if how much you tell me that you want to do this, one, I know what you're going to do. So I'm not going to engage in it. But the moment I actually engaged it with him, he said, God bless you. Hmm. You know, this is your calling. And it blew my mind, like really tripped me out. And feeling resentment. I never met a transient that demanded attention. They got me frustrated, indecisive, and power tripping. Sour emotions got me looking at the universe different. I should distance myself, I should keep it relentless. My selfishness is what got me here. Who the f I'm kidding? So I'm gonna tell you like I'm gonna These are moments in my life deeper than just handing somebody a dollar. Mm-hmm. These are actually moments of integrity, being able to actually talk to somebody. Me talking to him was simply a thank you. Huh from God, you know what I'm saying? And I felt God speaking through him to get at me. You know, and and it it was a real trip. And I tend to always bottle these ideas in because I want to share them with the world. And that's how you get a record, like how much a dollar costs. He looked at me and said, "Your potential is bittersweet." I looked at him and said, "Every nickel was mine to keep." He looked at me and said, "Know the truth; it'll set you free." You're looking at the Messiah, the Son of Jehovah, the higher power, the choir that spoke the word, the Holy Spirit, the nerve of Nazareth, and I tell you just how much a dollar cost—the price of happiness. by in
1: heaven, embrace your loss. I am God. And so, that really struck me hard because I immediately thought of of the chapter of Matthew 25 I was just thinking where, that. you know, Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Whatever you do not do for the least of these, you do not do for me. And Kendrick arrives at an interesting point in the song where he's like, basically Jesus, the homeless man tells him, you know, how much a dollar really costs, which is like the repeating theme in the song. How much does a dollar cost? How much could it possibly give you or cost you to give me mm-hmm. a dollar? I think the point of it really was, when you come upon a homeless person, you're looking into the face of God. You're not looking into the face of the scum of the earth, Mm -hmm. you know, because Jesus said himself, the scum of the earth is who you're meant to serve. If you serve the scum of the earth, you serve me. And I don't like, you know, I don't use the term scum of the earth, like as if that's what I think. It's just like, that's kind of how the world might view that class of people. And so that song made me realize when I'm see a homeless person I'm seeing Jesus I took a step back and I was like man you know when I was thinking about a topic for this thesis if that song that one song totally changed my perspective on this huge area of my walk as a Christian then what could the rest of this guy's music teach me you know Mm -hmm. and I had become a fan over the few years and so I'd known his music really well but that was a song that not only got me into Kendrick Lamar, but got me thinking about this this thing that was going on. Right. You know, this because he's explicitly talking about Jesus, and he mentions a bunch of different names of Jesus in that song. And you know, the guy knows his stuff. It's not right. like he just kind of tossed the name around and didn't back it up. Mm-hmm. There was clearly a scriptural backing to that. So yeah, that was that's the song I would zero in on for sure. That's mm-hmm. a little easier question for me because there's definitely an answer to that one. Sure. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: That reminded me of that verse in James, too, that true religion is caring for orphans and widows in mm-hmm. their distress. Right?
1: Absolutely. Yep. And so I think that even in the narrative of To Pimp a Butterfly, that album, it's where Kendrick Lamar is realizing that his actions carry weight, eternal weight, not mm-hmm. only for himself, but for other people. And so obviously it's a huge step on his journey. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, what made you choose Kendrick over Chance?
1: Yeah. That'd be the reason. Yeah. I mean, Chance the Rapper's music definitely kind of spoke to me in its own way, but Mm -hmm. I would say that that song in specific, and it kind of set the stage for my thesis in the sense that it taught me a, like, pretty, you know, clear theological lesson, not just, oh, God is love, or, you know, like, not just, like, not something broad, but something pretty specific and important. And I thought, well, there's probably more specific, important lessons to learn mm-hmm. from him here. So
0: that reminds me of the, I think it was in your conclusion you mm-hmm. wrote about. Um, I want to get this right, but it's a quote from your thesis. Um, this line right here uh, Kendrick Lamar vividly captures the struggle to live a sacred life in a secular world. And I really think that's present in uh how much a dollar costs and really the rest of his music yeah
1: i mean there's songs where he's more explicitly spiritual absolutely you know, there's songs on uh, good kid mad city where you know there's a prayer of salvation in it mm-hmm. but i don't think it necessarily captures you know the convergence of the sacred and secular like we were talking about as mm-hmm. much as that other song does so
0: lord god i come, I come to you as Center. center. And I humbly repent for my sins. I, I believe, believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe will you be raised, raised him from the dead.
3: I, will I will ask that Jesus come to my life and be my Lord and Savior. I receive Jesus to take control of my life and that now I may I mean live for him, him as this day forth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me with your precious blood. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: And it's interesting, I think, I think if we talk about his three albums and where they fit in with the trajectory of um, the four sections of the podcast, I think you could argue that Good Kid, Mad City is him kind of letting go of the structure to move towards agency.
1: Yeah, it's almost, I mean, you could, you could even classify that as kind of how I wrote the thesis sure. I mean there's kind of a specific purpose of each album I think he's finding his faith mm-hmm. on Good Kid Mad City mm-hmm. um, and yeah I would say it's let somewhat letting go of the structure in the sense that he's letting go of the structure of his childhood and the structure of his city and finding Jesus oh. to as an escape from Interesting. that yeah. and moving towards agency in the sense of how do I live out this faith right mm-hmm. so it's like He's finding a way out, he's finding an escape uh, from some kind of hard circumstances um, and a difficult upbringing and then and a lot of the temptations and um, dangers that it that it brought him hmm. and then moving to what he could do with that newfound faith on the next album hmm. and then another step forward on, on damn
0: So what would you say the main lesson he learned in to pimp a butterfly is
1: i would say that on good kid mad city he, he's pretty accepting of his salvation mm. in terms of he's assured like he finds a salvation okay jesus has me safe and secure you know for eternity and then i would say he struggles with that on to pimp a butterfly. And he kind of shows, on tip him the butterfly, that there's this ongoing war that that's waging between good and evil, and the way he characterizes it most of the time is between the two main characters in that war, God and the devil, hmm. right? And how right. they fight back and forth against each other, how they appear in his life, and then he's also showing, like, okay, what is the weight of my actions when I act righteously what happens versus when I act in sin what happens, um, and what is the eternal uh, kind of upshot or the eternal result of that and so he moves away from an insurance of salvation towards more of a almost hanging in the balance like if I do this do I lose my spot Mm -hmm. you know if I if I continue in sin where do I go but still God is protecting me and I know that and still I'm secure in God but what about these sins I keep doing you know and I think that that's man that's just so true of every single person who calls himself a christian absolutely yeah But that's the beauty of grace i think and mm-hmm. i think he's struggling for sure i keep using the word struggle because that's kind of the main point of the whole thing he's struggling to find grace and right. to find the gospel the entire time right so and you
0: know. i mean the last lines are the caterpillar and the butterfly are one and the same right
1: yeah so like
0: (laughs) the sinner and the saved are
1: exactly yeah yeah. you could even for the sake of my project I didn't include a whole lot of research from that Mm. specific section of the last song so I sometimes forget of that closing line and yeah that's really true like the growing creature and the Mm. I guess developed creature maybe they're the same in essence I guess you might say
3: wings begin to emerge Breaking the cycle of feeling stagnant. Finally, free, the butterfly sheds light on situations that the caterpillar never considered, ending an internal struggle. Although the butterfly and caterpillar are completely different, they are one and the same. What's your perspective on that? Pop.
0: Pop. Pop. I think that's a great segue. Um, to talk about how he's conflicted, mm-hmm. and to move from to Pimp a Butterfly to Damn, because I think Damn is, oh confusing. Man. Confusing, yeah. Because
1: you'd be correct if that's what you said.
0: It's confusing, but it's it's all about his conflicted nature between the yep. good and the evil, between the For sacred sure. and the secular, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I that's how I wrote about mm-hmm. that album. So I talked about four struggles basically, four theological struggles or tensions, uh, on damn mm-hmm. and that would be flesh versus spirit and then the two underlying ones, the the way that kind of manifests itself is through love versus lust right. and uh pride versus humility, and then what that leads to, you know, whoever wins those battles leads to the answer of salvation versus damnation, whoever wins that battle. Mm. So I would say yeah, that that one he made a little bit easier just because the song titles <laughs> Are love, lust, you know, pride, um, fear, etc. So it's a little easier to characterize, but then you dig into it and you're like, what the heck is going on here? It's kind of difficult mm-hmm. to understand.
0: I think that's why I keep going back to Dam. I think Dam is my favorite because it's it's so straightforward on the on the surface, but you can keep just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean I think it really shows that he is digging hard into why is his life the way it is. Right. And I think what I discussed was he's trying to find a purpose for his pain. I think is that's and that's kind. You know, I backed it up with with evidence and stuff, but it's almost just a personal belief about what that album is. Hmm. Um, He's searching for answers for the pain that he discusses on "To Pimp a Butterfly." And I think he arrives at this, he's like, oh, I found a theological answer for this, okay? Well, I don't think that theological answer really lines up. But I think that maybe he has a sense of peace, kind of maybe coming to some type of a conclusion about where his pain comes from. Hmm. But I think it also serves as a warning to people who are in a similar situation to him, Right. meaning people who are facing, you know, circumstances of oppression and such, um, due to skin color and just, you know, uh, birthplace, I mean, et cetera, et cetera, socioeconomic circumstances. Mm-hmm. Nobody pray for me.
3: It been a day for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches
1: and crime allowances, for finessing on them with some counter but there are some really cool points you can pull out of it as well. Like right. I think that some of the uh, lyrical sections on Dam are probably the, the, the easiest parallels to scripture out of anything, like I think it's on lust, mm. a certain part of lust. The song starts off like, I need some water, something came over me, mm. way too hot to simmer down, might as well overheat. Mm. And basically what he means is like, he's really tempted. And he might as well go over the edge hmm. because he's about to overheat. I need
3: some water. Something came over me. Way too hot to sit down.
1: Might as well overheat. Too close to comfort. Blood. I think that's the way we justify ourselves. Like, oh, you know, I'm about to sin, but I've gone too far already. Let me just continue. And. Paul says, shall we go on setting so that grace may increase? By no means. I mean, he's he's talking about very specific issues that are discussed, you know, explicitly Mm -hmm. in Scripture. So I think something I did in my thesis that makes it a little easier to follow is, um, thanks to my advisor who had this awesome idea, was to come up with at every single subsection, use a reference or two from Scripture and spell that out. Wow. um yeah. side by side with a lyric. Hmm. And so on you probably saw this on every subsection. It starts with here's a lyric side by side with an uh entry from scripture. And let's you know just look at them side by side without any analysis yet and just see look how similar they are or where they might be different and stuff like that. And I kind of use that as like yeah. make it a little bit easier, more uh easier to swallow, I guess in terms of how to read it
0: so you you based your thesis around a reformation worldview do you Mm -hmm. want to explain what exactly that is
1: yeah so just the easy definition i would say is reformational worldview it aims to take a purely biblical perspective um and basically what that means is that dualism and this division between sacred and secular is a farce completely. Hmm. And so we talk about the convergence of sacred and secular just to make it easier for us to understand. Sure. But at a philosophical level, I mean, really, there is no separation between the two realms. Um, the reformational worldview would say that every single piece of art and culture can either be distorted by sin or mm-hmm. redeemed uh, for God's purposes. And so kind of the journey of it is finding how each piece of art or culture, um, what it's intended for by God and how it can move toward this redemption Hmm. in its current state of wherever it has, you know, wherever it's been. And so I think that, you know, at the core, it's just saying everything is redeemable. Everything can also be distorted by sin, but God is the Lord over every last thing. There is, you know, it's not saying that God God can save every single thing except hip-hop because hip-hop is from the devil Hmm. no the devil didn't create anything and it he has no power to so the reformational worldview is saying everything can be reformed but it's up to Christians it's up to the quote-unquote ambassadors of reconciliation Hmm. to do that and something I've suggested to you as well as to anyone who might be listening would be the book called Creation Regained, because Mm. that was actually recommended to me uh, for my first thesis. (laughs) I had to do one for my undergrad as well. And my advisor was like, yeah, you should read this book. Mm. Uh, He goes to, like, a Reformed church and stuff and knows a lot about Reformed theology. And he's like, yeah, you should read this book. It's just a really good perspective on this stuff. And that book totally, like, it set the stage for two giant papers I wrote and, like, has... I actually you know i believe what it says too you know mm-hmm. it's not just like oh this is cool it's like oh this actually makes a lot of sense for something that didn't make sense to me before mm-hmm. so anyone who's kind of interested in the whole sacred secular thing and like why do we group certain things into sacred and why do we you know some things are okay some things aren't some types of music aren't okay for christians blah 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 whatever that might be you'd be really interested in this book and i think it would really Give some freedom to your perspective, for sure.
0: So it's Creation Regained by...
1: By Al Walters. Okay. W-O-L-T-E-R-S. So go pick I'm, up the book.
0: Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to pick it up, too.
1: I'm sure if you search Creation Regained, you'll be able to find it. Yeah. Uh, just on Amazon or something.
0: Sweet. So Sacred and Secular is kind of this constructed thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but without that construction, like, we can't really... It's kind of a construction for us to understand what art actually does for us
1: yeah i think it's something we've constructed in order to give ourselves a way to try to know right from wrong sure (laughs) but i think it had it's gone a little bit past its intended effect
0: for sure and i think it definitely is easier right just to say hey this is this is in this This is is out this is this is us this is them right
1: right yeah and you know the the point of that is like there's just this whole way of life uh that's legalistic Mm. in christianity bad versus good and us versus them and my you know my point's better than yours like when it's really not about that Mm, right (laughs) uh and i think reformational worldview tries to point you more at what is God's purpose for it it's not for you to just group your life into two different sections try to avoid one part of the world um, try to really engage with culture and art
0: yeah that's that's awesome a story i like to tell with kendrick is you know i was at like a uh worship night you know and mm-hmm. uh if you've ever been to a worship night there's always a section where you know the guitarist will keep playing but then they'll be like anybody have any prayer requests or anyone want to pray out loud right now while the music is playing and yeah uh, we were just kind of saying people that we were praying for to ourselves And someone shouted in the middle of the worship night. They were like, Kendrick Lamar, and they're so they're praying for Kendrick Lamar. (laughs) That's awesome. And I I think that's really oh, they were also making
1: an amazing joke probably. Oh yeah. Because he says like nobody prays for me all throughout Dan. All throughout, but he says he says nobody pray for me. Maybe it wasn't a joke. (laughs) But then
0: he says pray for me in the next track, and then the the next track after that he's nobody pray for me. So then
1: if kind of a cool thing if you've never noticed it is when i think it's on fear maybe when he's playing the uh loop of his not the loop but the uh recording of his uh cousin calling him and saying he's like i love you fam and i'm praying for you right so somebody's finally praying for him yeah so there is like an almost a resolution to that Mm -hmm. so Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk yeah, a little bit and feel like my thesis was worthwhile oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> give it a little more uh make it a little more fun to talk about rather than just like some academic reading Definitely. you know so mm-hmm.
0: yeah sweet well thanks for
1: being here man yeah, absolutely man thank mm-hmm.
0: you uh if you want to say grace and peace I always say grace and
1: peace at the end of an episode grace and peace and pray for me perfect <laughs> I love
0: it What a perfect way to end. All right. (laughs) That's the Psalm Song Podcast. Bye-bye.
2: I'd rather you trust me than to love me. love me. Keep it all 100, don't got you. I got nothing. nothing. I got something. We gon' function, no assumptions. Feeling like Tyson with it. I'll out twice, I'm with it. Only for the night, no, I'm kidding. Only for life, yeah, only for life, yeah, only for life Let's get it, hit that shoulder lean Know what's coming over me Backstroke, go over I know what you need Already on 10, no money coming All feeling go out, this feeling don't drop This party won't end Did a bad blade on curve, would you still love me, love? If I minimize my net worth, would you still love me, love? I'd rather you trust me than to love me Keep it all one, Don't got you, I got nothing nothing. Give me a run for my money There's nobody, no one to outrun me Give me a run for my money Sipping bubbly, feeling lovely Good